0: was a tale of two halves at Adelaide Oval as a Jekyll and Hyde Hawthorne were overrun by arch-rivals Essendon. And now there's questions aplenty, the most pressing of which, can the Hawks get the job done against dead certs for the wooden spoon Adelaide? There's much to discuss in this edition of the Hawk Talk Podcast. My name is Nick Mason, and joining me is my co-host, a man who is frustrated with
1: the team's second half. G'day, Tiz. Frustrated. That's That's how you encapsulate my entire three days of aggression and um, obnoxious bad temper to my family and friends. This is how you, just frustration is it? Well, I thought I'd give you space to put it in your own words, and you've done so very nicely. I tell you what, it's it feels a lot like Paul Salmon has just arrived at the club, and he's our best player, and he needs to play ruck and back, and also in the forward line if we're going to be any good. This is how this is feeling now. It's like they've gone back to the... Ninety eight, ninety nine. Player deck. What do you reckon, Nick? Am I am I just tumbling too far backwards here? I think you're almost
0: talking too much sense for me to handle. <laughs> and it's a little too much right now.
1: It's very flashbacky and I don't like it. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't very much appreciate the position we're in. Um, I gotta say, mate, uh, I expected us to win.
1: You and the rest of the footballing world, Chief. That is ridiculous. We got a shortened form of the game and we still lost. Well, i got to say,
0: 17 points, the margin. When Essendon brought it back to 17 points, I was like, oh, no, we're cooked. We're done. I was like, I, I, I know how this story goes. I tell you what, you're emblematic
1: of the playing group. <laughs> I reckon that's exactly what they thought.
0: Now, we heard from one of our listeners, James, at Hook Talk Pod, "Was the second half the most perfectly executed tank since Melbourne played their players out of position, or are we genuinely
1: that terrible or easily outcoached? I'm going to give myself a pat on the back here for saying that uh, the second half was narrated by Ringo Stark, that is <laughs> a magnificent. Magnificent tanking, you know. No one expected it. It comes with a loss of pride to one of the great rivals of the football club. So, if you think that's tanking, or at four o'clock on a Thursday afternoon, uh, well, that, that's up to you. But uh, you know, look, it, it, I'd
0: say to the Hawthorne supporters out there, if if you want to think that that's tanking, well, more power to you. More like if if that's if that's gonna help you. Then that's alright, but I'm here to say that it wasn't, and that we were
1: beaten, and then we're going to look at how we were beaten, because it's pretty bloody obvious. The other question it throws up is, were we any good in that first half, or was Essendon just absolutely shocking? And uh, what kind of confidence do you take out of it? Because we were moving the ball beautifully, some of the best work we've done all year. And uh, we were frustrating Devin Smith, he was taking lunges at Gunston from behind with his legs. Rightly copping that $500 fine Nick I think that you know maybe a little bit excessive to uh, to hand out that kind of monetary punishment for a, for a move that could end the career of a great player like Jack Gunston a
0: highly paid footballer lucrative contract Devon Smith won't be doing that again
1: that's far too much of a
0: sting he won't cop that again absolutely ridiculous that was just filth pure filth the league has given the green light to something that's uh highly dangerous off the ball Frankly, not in the spirit of the game. Uh, it was awful. But we're kind of distracting ourselves from the main issue. Um, was Hawthorne any good in that first half? We were. But as with any game, it's a tale of two teams. You've got two teams out there and Essendon were not at their best and we were kind of allowed to get away with a lot. And uh, after halftime, well, at, uh, at half time, you can just imagine Essendon in the rooms and they're thinking, okay, here's what we're doing wrong. Number one, I reckon, on the list would be just constantly, relentlessly feeding Ben McAvoy the footy down the line, which was great for us. That set us up a lot of times, but they would have cut that out right away, which they did. Uh, ben McAvoy had a much quieter second half, and essentially that was emblematic of uh, a team that looked at what they were doing wrong, came out after half time and got to work, and they started to fix it, and they got on top. Now, Hawthorne in that second half, we were now confronted with a problem. We had issues to fix, and we did not do a thing to fix them. That is the difference between the two
1: sides right there. I look at it in a different way. I think in the first half, Essendon was so defensively minded, so conscious of not kicking it too long or of committing too many men forward, that they that they did do that. In the second half, they played with... Uh, what would you say, the courage to handball forward to a player. They just played on at every opportunity. And what it did was it broke down our structure behind the ball. In the second half, we were the defensive side. We thought, oh, we'll, we'll just hold on to the lead here. So each time either team tried to play defensive, it didn't work. And I would just say that Essence forward line is better than ours. They also had a huge uh, boost when Joe Danaher started influencing the game. Do we have to talk about that? I've heard about it for a week now, mate. Can we not? This is the total difference. Uh, Danaher, emblematic, brings players along with him, fantastic, uplifts the whole group, and then we lose John Patton in the first quarter, and it brings everyone down. I mean, psychologically, that's not great. I mean, we played on from there, but you can see how, as a group, one is a tremendous boost, and the other really takes the wind out of your sails. Makes it harder for you. The interchanges are much lower for us.
0: Oh, like I absolutely understand that. or I accept that's a factor. Uh, one less rotation at, at the very least is not too great for the team. But we, we we got to three-quarter time. That's where things should have changed. Absolutely. But I just don't feel like we did anything different. We didn't try anything different. Well, we did chuck McAvoy into the ruck. Oh, that is, that's the only thing we've got up our sleeves is to move McAvoy around. Like we we can't seem to do, or or we're unwilling to do anything else. We lost the clearances nineteen to forty, and the sender clearances six to twenty, and and I really think that this was a game that was lost by the midfield and our coaching.
1: Yeah, it's a uh, it's something that hasn't worked for much of this year. In any in any case, we're on the record and how frustrated and angry we are with the second half. We can understand why it happened and that they just went hell for leather to try and get back in the game and it worked and they got up and they got over us and a lot of the boys didn't handle the pressure, especially some of the boys that you expect would to, uh, you know, take the game on and influence the game in our favour. Oh, here we go, name and shame. But I would like to point out, let me finish, (laughs) how good Daniel Howe was and how good Ollie Hanrahan was and also Jack Scrimshaw. Uh, For the majority of the game, Jack Scrimshaw was terrific for us. I think he's the third... He got the third-most touches on the on the ground at a disposal efficiency of 82%. Um, so having Hal kicked two goals, and one was a beauty from the 50, straight out of the contest, we looked really good. And we just lost our shape in the second half, and we had players that were in the side but uh, seemingly uh, were absent on occasion. And it, it's big. It's a big name, really. I mean, Chad Chad Wingard. I mean, what did he do after halftime? Did you notice, Chad?
0: No. I, I would say that looking at the stats, he had, I think, six or seven score involvements from memory. So he had an impact. But,
1: oh, God, beyond that, I, I just don't know. He was not terribly visible against Essendon. And if you look down, there's a lot of duck eggs next to players for disposals in the last quarter. Um, there's a couple there who who have uh, claims that they're unfit and they're not going to run out the game anyway. But, you know, to not get a touch when everything's going against your club, you really got to put your hand up and and ask for it, don't you? I mean... Name me someone. Oh, well, the duck eggs in the last quarter were Howe, Hardwick, O'Brien, Minchington. I mean, Wingard, Hanrahan, Liam Shields all had one touch in that last quarter. So that's a third of the guys out there. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, exactly. It just felt like a lack of leadership, both on field and from the coach's box, when you're looking at that game.
0: I'll just circle back around to one guy that you highlighted, uh, Ollie Hanrahan. I liked his game. Unfortunate to only kick 0-2, because uh, he had six score involvements
1: in all, and I thought he was a presence. He was good. There was a bit of time where he looked on fire. He's just uh, very clean, and um, he has it. If... You know, if he can get it out of himself, he has the skill. So uh, it might take a little bit longer, but Ollie Hanrahan looks like he could be a real player.
0: Their sentiments I would apply to James Cousins as well. 19 touches at 78.9% disposal efficiency. You finished with 1-1. Now, uh, playing in the midfield, I would not say as much as I... Um attribute the loss
1: to a failure of the midfield he's he's
0: probably one guy that didn't
1: lower his colors and good thing too they went to town on on him in the third quarter made sure he could have no influence on the game and that's where they started winning it out of the center and was simply that uh, he couldn't get a touch then um they really worked him out or worked him over in that third quarter and it really stifled our whole game no one else stood up to grab the footy um you know, Tom Mitchell's still getting seven in that third quarter, but... the uh, The be handballs, though. The metres gained are pretty low, so they were stifling his influence. It's, um, you know, it's just a frustrating game. And it, it's... I know Clarko said that it's the youth that sort of dropped their bundle in that second half. They didn't handle the pressure. And it, it may be true that they get the ball and then don't use it correctly but at least they went and got the ball exactly right uh,
0: now we heard from one of our listeners uh, Ali at Hawk Talk Pod is Sam Mitchell the next coach of Hawthorne based on his apprenticeship under Clarko and now to follow that up we had a question from Ross as well at Hawk Talk Pod uh, a lot of Hawks fans are keen on Sam Mitchell as the next coach and his one on one coaching of Warpool has been well documented but what about his overall midfield coaching and tactics
1: where we have been smashed all year maybe he's not the future coach Tiz um is Mitch our midfield coach this year, or didn't they? I thought that he was that last year, and they rolled it round again this year?
0: I thought he was our midfield coach.
1: Why is he working with Warple one on one if he's not? Because he wants Warple to be a clone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They've had a very strong relationship every, ever since he returned to the club. Hmm. I think uh, our forward line coach is also in the gun. Yep. I don't think he gets a he gets a prize. None of our lines are working that well. The defensive line's probably working the best. But even then, they're conceding scores and and easy goals. When you're bottom four, I guess everyone's kind of under the pump, aren't they? Like, no
0: one's uh, absolutely invulnerable from scrutiny. I don't don't know.
1: We looked much better last week because we had total domination in that ruck. And that's something we've got to speak about. Segler, uh, Beardstrong, why did we sign him for three years? Not bashing, just what I've seen, he doesn't deserve that kind of deal. Wasn't setting the world on fire last season either.
0: He was probably looking his best at some stages last year. But um, we haven't seen any, any of that in season 2020. And you've got to wonder, was his best last year worth a three-year deal? That's pretty major. Well, it was because uh, we need a Ruckman. Pitto left. Well, Pitto left because we signed Segler. For three years. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Pitto as soon as that happened, Pitonet's looking at that going, well, I'm not going to get the opportunity. I've been hanging around long enough and you've made your call now, Hawthorne, so I'm going to explore my options. So that's what happened there. Now, is Segler the guy? Is he good enough? I would suggest by the length of that contract that Hawthorne think that he is but I would suggest by my eyeballs watching the game every week that perhaps he's
1: not. Well, he's got a foot injury. I mean, that'd be hampering his game. He's certainly not covering the ground well. He can't show up his opponent across the distance of a whole match. Um, You know, there's a lot of things that are going against him this year, but the, the, the most frustrating thing about him is he gives away so many free kicks in the ruck contest. I mean, he keeps looking at the man, not the ball. It's just... I mean I went on a Kevin Sheedy footy camp and Paul Salmon came over and I was looking at him and you know and I was wide-eyed and and thought wow you know fantastic and uh you know I wasn't really concentrating but the one thing I learned out of that contest was you look at the bloody ball <laughs> don't look at the man you put up your, you put up your elbow and you create a barrier and you watch the ball so that you can hit the ball and the number of times he gets picked up for for just playing the man first and then the ball is ridiculous
0: first thing I noticed out of the game, mate. Very first bounce of the game, he was looking at the man. And I saw that and I thought, here we go. He's he's doing it again. Now, I'm no master of Rutcraft, obviously not. Never played there in my junior footy days either. But even I know that that's probably not going to get you anywhere because you're going for the ball.
1: You're competing for the ball. I mean, he's up against Phillips. That's the third tier ruckman at Essendon.
0: When, when you put in his defence, when you submit as a defence his toe injury... And, you know, he might be hampered by that. If he's not right, don't put him in the side because Segler's inclusion in this side is highly strategic.
1: It changes our entire look. Oh Well, no, he needed it for McAvoy to play so well in the back line. And then, you know, he he was great. I mean, there's no question that McAvoy was probably our most influential player on the day. He was terrific. Now, you can't have him in the back line if Segler's not in the ruck. That's just fact. Do
0: you need McAvoy in the back line if you have him in the ruck and the ball never gets down there to begin
1: with? No, no, it's going to get down there. We're not that good in the midfield. Well, that's another issue, isn't it? That's the whole point. The midfield can't get their hands on the on the pill even with McAvoy there, right? In large periods. We can't break the momentum of that for some reason. So, Kaiko does need him behind the ball. or We just get found out now, Woz asks, who do we aim to pick up to fix our ruck woes for the, in the next five years? Or long-term plan. <laughs> or is Reeves almost ready? What have you heard about Reeves? Uh, zilch, I'll be honest. Uh, nothing for a while. I mean, he's still very young for a ruckman to play AFL. I would imagine this year um, would be like a lost year in terms of his development. No VFL games. Um I'm keen to see Reeves, he's just an enormous fella If he can get his hands on the football He could be an amazing Weapon for Hawthorne
0: Reeves could be good, he could be good in time We just don't know yet, I think um, You know, Keegan Brooksby Was a good pick up this year If we thought we were competing Anytime soon, I think we've shown Now that that's not the case And uh, look, if he's off the list Next year or the year after, however long He's got, we need to look At Doing a similar thing with with what we do with him, which is get get a pick and use it on a far younger Ruckman this time, like make it make it an actual project that's what that's part of what we need to be looking at yeah,
1: so Tom Mitchell made Segler look all right, didn't he? He got six clearances and and was genuinely our best uh ball winner, just couldn't find space to use it in. Um, So at least his form is improving uh, on his comeback. Um, It was James Warple that sort of challenged McAvoy for best on wasn't it? Yeah, with
0: 23 touches at 69.3% disposal efficiency. So he's lifted that efficiency this week, which is good to see. Six tackles, a team-high 410 metres gained, seven score involvements, which is pretty good. Uh, The only blight in his game was just his goal-kicking. He had his opportunities. One goal, three. He kicked. Someone wants to ask about the game plan, (laughs) We heard from Dev. Is it just me, or has there been a discernible change in our style of play? The dash-off half-back through the corridor and getting out the back seems to be our MO at the moment for scoring goals, and when it works, it looks so exciting,
1: such as in the first half. Is it sustainable? No, it's not sustainable, as the second half may have indicated. Um, You can't keep scoring goals in the same fashion, no matter how you're doing it, because your opposition... Will find it out, and shut it down. You must, and we saw this with the great sides we've had, have at least three ways to score a goal, whether it's over the back, whether it's kicking to a long contest and sharking it, whether it's you know lead up play and making space for a lead. They're all very nice, some less exciting than others, <laughs> <laughs> ways to score a goal. Um, but no, uh, waiting for. Um, like I call it an offside goal because you're out the back. Um, I don't think that's sustainable.
0: No, it's not. Teams will work it out, uh, especially at the long break, which is exactly what Essendon did. They looked at what was happening to them and how we were getting our goals and they protected against it in the second half.
1: Yeah, the, their defenders just decide they're not going to be sucked up the field. That's, uh, that's how that works. There's no space behind them. You can't go over the back.
0: So the answer is, Dev, it's not sustainable but you don't expect it to be. You go into a game knowing that whatever you have up your sleeve is, is like your plan A, it's probably not always going to be the go-to. You've got to prepare for things besides that, and I don't think Hawthorne has figured that out just yet. They certainly didn't this game. We heard from Lee as well at Talk Pod. He writes, Obviously we have issues with our consistency in the midfield, but it's the biggest issue we've had since the season restart that we are simply not fit enough to execute the game plan needed. We need to bring the heat and we look our best when we have manic pressure, but we simply cannot sustain it. As soon as we drop away, we are stagnant and we struggle. It feels like we play so well in patches, but are so poor at other times. If we can keep playing younger players, build their fitness base over time, we
1: can start playing better for longer. Yep, yeah, they're the hallmarks of a young side inconsistency like that. But it's also the hallmarks of a side that doesn't really care. And we've reached that stage. I thought you were going to say it's the hallmarks of a young side with old men. No, well, I mean, a lot of the old men don't care. I mean, the writing's on the wall for a few of them. They have fantastic careers. Pride is, is left to play for. But, uh, you know, they, they've got to leave it to the young fellas to get it done. They can't. But they've got to, you know, they've got to try and influence the game when they can. It, it's very frustrating. It feels like there's a cleave in the playing group, to be honest. And it, it just goes, it, it just, you've got to ask questions about the list management because there's a huge gap between the old successful guys and in years, I mean, the gap. And then you've got a lot of players that have been brought in from other clubs in the middle and then towards the lower end of the list you've got draftees and um, some players who've come from other clubs but didn't didn't play there. It's, um, I think it must be hard to gel those groups
0: it seems like we're in a position to, in which we need to start making some bold
1: calls. I, I think it's been taken out of, our, out of our hands. I mean, the pressure of these results, is it a threat to overreact to them, do you think? In a, in a year where it's just so outside the bounds of normal AFL careers, is there a threat to overreacting to these results? Um, and how poorly we've handled pressure this year. Uh, by turfing out, you know, the baby with the bathwater kind of stuff. I mean, that's the analogy.
0: It's a valid concern, but uh, I don't know about you, I would hate to get to the end of 2021 and go, oh, good, we sat on our hands. Great, the writing was on the wall and we just refused to read it in what was clearly a difficult year with a lot of extenuating circumstances, but we didn't bother to pay attention to the signs and we've wasted another year, effectively. I don't think we can do that. The, the fact is, you know, people talk about, they love to reference like, oh, the golden era at Hawthorne's finally over. It was over a long time ago. We, we haven't really come close or looked like a genuine threat for a few years now. And a few years is more than enough time for me to go, okay, well, let's let's try something. Let's, let's be bold in the off season. Let's see what we can do to reshape this club. I would rather us, at this point in time, roll the dice and just have a crack at doing something different than going, oh, is it really that bad, though? Is it really that bad? I'm going to say that it is. I've seen enough for now to go, well, if if we're in a new era for sure, I think we are, it's time to start acting like it
1: and build again. Well, let's act like it and play Emergencies. They were named Emergencies this week. Like Greaves, Moore and Ross. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would I would bring
0: Greaves in um, for someone like Hardwick. Or even if you want to give like, Day a spell at this point, I would understand. But just our selection this week, it wasn't really play the kids, was it? it you know, Segler, Gunston. Gunston obviously still has a spot in this team. Segler, Gunston and Minchington. I mean, Minchington... Sure, the jury's come back with a verdict now. Well, that's what I think as well. And I think, you know, one part of me thinks that Hawthorne fans are a tad harsh. Because I remember it wasn't too long ago that people were crying out to see him. And he's been given, you know, what, two, three games. And now all of a sudden Hawks supporters are like, nah, get rid of him.
1: I mean, this week he kicked a goal. It was a great goal. (laughs) It was a great goal. And they're still not happy. But because, did he have any tackles? One tackle. Hanrahan had one tackle. I mean... Are people pining for Puopolo? I like that. That's good. <laughs> You're pleased with that alliteration, weren't you? Yeah, pining for Puopolo. Maybe they are. I don't know. He just seemed to be the kind of bloke that could shut down what were pretty easy attacks coming out of their back line in that second half.
0: Look, I reckon at this point, it, it's fine to concede where we are. And, and, you know, I thought that we had I thought the messaging coming out from the club To its members in the past few weeks Kind of acknowledged that But, you know, we'll wait to see Just how realistic and, and, and how um, Truthful, I guess They are about the direction of The Hawthorne Football Club
1: Because uh, at the moment it's hard to see Well, we've got Adelaide And thank goodness we've got Frawley, Strats, Burgoyne and Smith um, All available Yeah, thank goodness Right? No. <laughs> well, you don't want to lose to Adelaide, do you chief? I mean, hell, they're, they're the worst team we've seen in well, this century.
0: No, I don't want to lose to Adelaide, but um put it this way. Why would you play Burgoyne or Frawley this week?
1: I then could kick five. Have you seen Adelaide? <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, Frawley kicking five. Oh. Well, I mean, Hartley might force him into the forward line. It could be a straight swap for Patton at this
0: point. <laughs> we heard from Tim at Hawk Talk Pod. Are we going to learn enough about our list? Kind of looking at the uh, the clock ticking on our season here. And uh, this is a game where we have a real opportunity. Do you know what, Tim?
1: I don't want to learn anymore. <laughs> to <be quite> <laughs> the learnings I've taken away from watching some of this list are, are you know. That's a tad depressing, isn't it, Tiz? <laughs> Come on, you, you can't have enjoyed it. I mean, Hanrahan's had a couple of bright moments and Day's given us something and um, CJ's good off the half-back line. Am, am I missing anyone?
0: I would caution Hawks supporters and, and I would say that these are the times that we're in as a club. We're at the start of it. We're at the very, very start of it and we're going to have some games
1: where it's deeply frustrating. I've got a cautionary note coming later about Jeff's decision. But uh, let's keep going with the list management stuff. All right, we'll keep
0: going with that. Uh, we heard from uh, Dino. Do we need to be looking for a key position forward this offseason based on what we've seen from Lewis, Patton, and O'Brien? Now, we should mention about Patton, uh Terrible, terrible injury. Uh, scans did reveal, though, that uh, it was just a torn plantaris tendon rather than a serious Achilles injury that we all feared at the time. Now, they're saying that... He might be able to return this year, but I don't know why you'd bring him back. I mean, just... Because he's a footballer, mate. (laughs) That's why you'd play him. I'd take your point, but clearly it's just not his year. His body is not right at the moment. We knew the risks picking him, and it, it's been the worst-case scenario for his season.
1: I, I feel for him, it, it's so terrible. Why don't they just make him drop a few kilos? It, it just seems like his body's too heavy for the rest of him.
0: I tell you what, it does seem that way. Uh, returning to Dino's question, Tiz, would you be interested in looking for a key position forward? Is it personnel that's the, that's the problem here, or what?
1: Dino, I want you to take a good hard look at Adelaide on Tuesday night. Just imagine what Tex could bring to Hawthorne. Oh, my God. I cut this out of last week's podcast. I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Listeners, I purposefully cut out a giant section of last week's show because it was just rubbish. And it was Tears basically flagging his interest in Tex Walker, and I wouldn't abide by it. That was great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's just not that many key forwards that you're going to pluck from other teams. took us that long to get Patton. We'd been trying to get him for five years, wasn't it, Nick? How many, you know? Tiz, I'm going to place those three forwards. Lewis, Patton, and O'Brien are
0: all along a spectrum of certainty slash uncertainty. Now, at this point, I've seen enough out of O'Brien. We know what we're going to get. If he was ever going to be anything, we would know by now but he just is what he is and I don't think he's the future. He's not a premiership player, which is what we're aiming for after all. I don't care where we are in our stage of like rebuilding or this, that, the other. Everyone should be aiming for a premiership and he's not premiership player material. So that being said, now we look at Lewis and Patton. Patton I'm slightly more certain about, although his body obviously lets him down because I've seen what he can do at at the Giants and He just hasn't really had uh, enough
1: time at Hawthorne to do anything. Lewis... Lewis is still too, too young to judge. You can't judge Lewis. The point I would say is the Musketeers' argument that they're better together, and they never play together. They never seem to be on the park together. They never get the opportunity. They're going to be much better together. Each of them can roll through the worst or the least able defender. Okay, so... It's not as bad as it looks. I don't think we're getting the best out of our forward line, no matter who's playing down there.
0: I th- I think it's a matter of strategy, and I said last podcast that, you know, I'd upload the the forward strategy that I concocted in my head. I haven't done that yet, but I'll, I'll try to get around to it before the Adelaide games. Everyone can take a look and see what they think. But if
1: you lose a key forward in the first quarter of most games. It's never going to look good. Oh, yeah, mate. The plan yeah. is straight out the window.
0: Oh, absolutely. Like, my, my plan that I'll, um, you know, chuck in a Photoshop and, you know, it'll make it all nice and sparkly and then I'll upload it to our social media channels, that plan depends on all three of O'Brien, Padden, and Lewis playing. And you're right. As soon as one gets injured, I'm, I'm stuffed. My plan's done. Yeah. So, I
1: mean, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I might tweak it a bit before I upload it. But I think this is my favourite question. L has asked, Should the club consider a crowed-type trade to try and get a Hodge Mitchell or Ruffy Buddy Lewis-type attack at the draft again? Are we there yet? If so, who do we use this trade bait? Who has value? Well, I think a crowed-type trade where we trade two blokes out and get one of them back is just ideal. <laughs> Well, who would you start with in that case?
0: If you think it's so ideal, I'm going to guess that you have names in the gun.
1: If they're coming back in a couple of years, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) You can trade anyone you like. Uh, That is one of the great moments in AFL trade history. But it'll be quite strange because there's not a lot of information to go on for the players you're picking in this year's draft. So does that mean the draft picks are less valuable? Or are they more valuable because other clubs think that their recruiting guys are better and they've got a better idea? So you have to back your, your intelligence on these players. Um, certainly we are hitting a point where taking risks um, in trades probably is going to fail us with known entities because a known entity at another club coming to your club uh, is going to take a few months to adjust. And won't really have an on-field impact, with a with a with a team that's not performing. Whereas if you're a team that's performing and you bring a player in, um, they can fit the structure quicker than you building the structure around them.
0: No more band-aid solutions, please. Let's not try and go for the quick fix. Is what I would say. Uh, my question is though, who do we have as trade bait? Who
1: does have value on our list at the moment? I just we'll leave that to the end of the year. I mean, oh, I can see a few fellas that certainly guys that we've uh bought in for very low uh pick uh, sorry, very high picks um would would have value to other clubs. You know, we <laughs> we might consider Scully as a fixer upper and and uh he came to the club, we fixed him up, we move him on for and we go up the draft, you know, get another second round draft pick or something. Perhaps we're a used footballer dealer, you know. That might be how it works. Are we the car city of the AFL? More like (laughs) Loubemobile. You always seem to be playing away. Now, um... Glass Day McGuinness, 133032. Oh my goodness. (laughs) That is so far out there. The earworm from my childhood has returned to my psyche. Yeah. I'm a unit, how would you feel? (laughs)
0: You fell right into his trap. His screen name is I'm a unit and he just glossed right over
1: it. I know. All right, carry on. Yeah, that's what he wanted. Give the people what they want. I'm a unit, how would you feel if we traded away our first round draft pick for a high profile trade? Yeah, not great. I feel terrible.
0: (laughs) We should be done doing that. Uh, we, we That is not the way forward at this point. And I think that's... Anyone who's listened to the first 40 minutes or whatever of this podcast knows where I stand on that. And uh, yeah, it would be horrible if we did it. So thank you,
1: I'm a unit. That was a very good question. Yeah, asked and answered. <laughs> Barry, we have been a destination club for so long. Are we going to start being an exodus club and not just for the blokes looking for more opportunities? So... Who is he talking about there? um, blokes that want a premiership because we look like we're totally outside the premiership window, or
0: yeah, I guess so. I talking about young kids who you know sense that they have value and you know other other clubs might be circling and might want to get the best out of them. I'm worried for a guy like James Warple who might eventually just go, uh might move on from here and see and see if I can land myself in someone
1: else's window, yeah, I think that's what Barry's talking about. Um, that the best talent is going to fall off the list for lack of opportunity to play finals, stuff like that. Look, I don't think it's that bad yet. I think this is a year you can't really judge the club on. Certainly most of the best players have underperformed. And uh, we've been playing at other people's home grounds all year, much like other teams, but um, seemingly we haven't handled it anywhere near as well. And we've spoken about reasons for that. Training structures, our game plan, Uh, the length of the games being shorter just didn't suit us. So um, it means we've been robbed of an opportunity to play finals this year, I feel. All those changes.
0: There's a lot that's been working against us, it's true. Um, Every time this sort of thing comes up, uh, we usually get like a a listener or two tweeting at us about something that uh, Marco Bello... Uh, sorry, I'll go with that one again. Mark uh mentioned on Talkback Radio or something like that. He he mentioned that Hawthorne had this you know, brand spanking new dazzling game plan that we simply haven't seen in 2020. It's, uh, I want to cling on to that, mate. I want to hope that maybe we've kept something in reserve that
1: we just haven't tried for this year. Do you think there's any truth in that? Yeah, sure. I mean, there could be. Who knows? I mean, the problem will be that Marco Bello and Damien Carroll and some of the big ideas men at Hawthorne, basically the support structure to Clarco and and what gives the players uh, an identity with a football club. You know, these are the guys that work most of their times one-on-one, face-to-face with our players. They're leaving due to financial pressures in this COVID crisis. And that is the exodus for me. Like, Barry's worried about the playing group, the best talent falling off the list, but our best talent in the back room is is, is going. And that's due to the AFL dropping the caps, you know. It's forcing these these movements of these great sage football heads, these wise blokes that got the best, and we've been, you know, we may not recruit the best players, but we get the most out of their careers. And that, that ability of ours is looking like that's that's going to leave us, certainly in the short term.
0: So you're looking at it in terms of like a house in which the uh, the bricks are just being one by one removed, basically.
1: Yeah, I, I mean you need a lot of different feedback as a player. You need the encouragement, and then you need the bloke to come in and tell you that that wasn't good enough. You know, and and, and you need the sympathy, maybe of the physio or something like that, you know, that they understand um, what you're going through or, you know, how you get over injuries. And there's just not going to be that many people to fill all those roles. The man management now becomes a real issue. And uh, this... Sort of speaks to Jeff's decision to stay on. That there's so much flux at our, at at most footy clubs now that um, it's a stress point that could lead to the club losing that sense of identity because there's going to be a skeletal staff. And how do you, how do you maintain the ethos of what is Hawthorne with this kind of pressure?
0: Now, we heard during the week um, that. Jeff Kennett has announced that he would be keen to stay on as president. Uh, now, with that in mind, Tiz, would you have him? Are you pro-Jeff, or do you need change at this point?
1: I don't need change. I think Jeff's understands the footy club. I think he understands the limitations of Clarko. Um, I certainly think he can stand up to Clarko, which seems to be a narrative we hear a lot that they don't, Agree on much, but they get stuff done. Um, I know that the last appointment was a complete and abject failure, and that's why Kenneth had to return. On you know, they basically the club went to him and asked him to come back. And I understand that you know, situation has changed, and Jeff feels like uh, some consistency in the leadership would be good at this point, and I can understand that as well. But having said all that (laughs) in a very political way, let me say this. There are a number of very, very good CEO types who have lost their careers at this point due to COVID and crisis in the economy. There are probably more candidates than ever for that role. Could we not change the board up and get some decent talent? Because his, he's basically admitting that he's failed in his objective to find a bloke to take over from him.
0: Thank you. Yep. Exactly right. We heard from View from the Nosebleeds, we had a tweet here. uh, As I'm trying to forget the Essendon game, the other news of the week is Jeff Kennett wanting to retain the presidency. Who are the potential contenders? Is there anyone on the board or someone from the outside who may be an alternative? Now, Tiz, you've highlighted my exact issue around this. Wasn't it Jeff's idea or wasn't it his mission to simply be like a stopgap And try and find someone else to fill the role. Has he not failed in his duty
1: to seek someone else out? It feels like he has. Well, yes, he has. But you've got to remember that Jeff's also on the COVID commission or whatever it is for the clubs. He's leading there. He probably has a lot of energy invested in the relationship he's got with those um, other CEOs at the footed clubs. Um, So I can see why he wants to stay on. You need that continuity of leadership and he wouldn't be able to serve on that through this period because he sees a threat to clubs viability certainly clubs that are smaller than us who are being gutted with these financial decisions um chiefly due to the fact that the afl went and bought bloody docklands that eyesore of a property um you know if they hadn't done that they could have used this period to really storm into into other markets where other codes are failing, like soccer and, and the NRL are struggling, right? They should really be pushing. um. But having used all that money to buy the stadium, they don't have that ability to push now. It's an opportunity that they can't take. So Jeff is critical to the game, I feel, in the way that, he stands up to the AFL without his voice, I think we'd the whole bloody uh, AFL would be a lot poorer. I know that a lot of AF, uh, Hawthorne supporters feel that we get victimised especially by the umpires for the uh, outbursts of both Jeffrey and Clarko but they're standing up against the house, you know they're, they're, they're trying to beat the house here and uh, I think they need to because I don't feel that Gillen or many of the other leaders in AFL House have have done very well over their tenure. Tiz, am
0: I Australian singer-songwriter, model and
1: actress Natalie Imbruglia? Because I'm torn,
0: and I'll tell you why. This is a precarious time, and it, it pays to remember that. I know we have enough reminders in our own daily lives, but for the football club and for the league in general, this perhaps is a time where you've got to be cautious about the idea of rocking the boat. But I am torn, and I think Jeff has failed in his duties, and there are a lot of things about him and his presidency that have rubbed me up the wrong way, this season especially. So, I don't know. I don't know. I'm keen for fresh blood, but is this the precise
1: time to look for it? There's a lot of things to take into account here. I trust Jeff. I don't know that many other people do, but I trust him to do what's best for the footy club. I certainly trust him To do what's best for the footy club, and, and he certainly says all the right things about being a custodian. And, and you know, generally, he has uh, what would you say, disdain for the questions from the audience at the AGM, but um, <laughs> <laughs> he, he he genuinely does make good decisions, and uh, you must respect that he came in. To save the club in a period as well, so he's good in a crisis, Jeff. And I'm happy for him to stay.
0: Craving change is not to um, disregard the impact that he's had. I don't. I think you can hold those two thoughts at once.
1: I, I think this whole period has just called for patience, and I'd call for patience again here.
0: For what it's worth, I'm I'm leaning towards your point of view. I think I stand with you on this. Um, as much as I you know, I don't love it, but I see the merits in sticking with Jeff. I wish he'd keep his trap shut, but we know who he is, we know what he likes to do, and it's not gonna happen. So No, it's
1: part of part of who Jeff is. He's just not gonna shut up. Um Having said that, do you think he could not shut up on our podcast? That could be good. Oh, you want <laughs> Jeff on the Hawk Talk Podcast. You reckon he'd come on? I mean, it's no we're no threat to him. He's been grilled by far more Aggressive types than than us, um, but it does seem like even though he knows position on a lot of things, there are so many positions he holds that we about the Hawthorne Footy Club that we don't understand. We might make him wear his uh golden jacket, that could be good. <laughs> that's a condition of our interview with him. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> if we force that, imagine the conditions he'll be forcing us. <laughs> <laughs> He's a he's a tough negotiator, Jeffrey. So we probably won't push the up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we heard from Nick at Hawk Talk Pod. Jeff Kennett. Surely it's time for us to move on from him. Well, that is the question. I think we've arrived at. Is it precisely the time to move on from him? I don't know. I think we're just not sure. We're not sure about rocking the boat at this point at the Hawk Talk Podcast. Can mount some arguments, but I'm not sure it's going to be enough. And we heard from Alex as well at Hawk Talk Pod. Uh, if Hawthorne were the cast of a TV show or movie in this stage of our progress, who would we be? I'm going with Flying
1: High or The Naked Gun. For some reason, I keep thinking of Frazier. <laughs> Why? Because they're always getting into little scuffles that don't really matter, and um, by the end of it, it's back to the. <laughs> exactly the same I don't know that's sitcoms in general that doesn't have to be, just be Frasier I guess the point would be I should have gone with Arrested Development that's what I'm about. okay I
0: thought with Frasier you were
1: calling Hawthorne tossed salad and scrambled eggs <laughs> <laughs> uh, we move on alright now we've got a face We've got to face what happens on Tuesday.
0: Yes, Tuesday, five forty p.m. at Adelaide Oval. Hawthorne takes on the lowly Adelaide, and Cane Corns is guaranteed an Adelaide win. Yeah, well, that's just him stoking
1: the flames, isn't it? I mean, he hates Adelaide.
0: Yeah, that's no, great. It's it's such a uh, a low risk bet. He's guaranteed an Adelaide win, so you know they have to notch up a win eventually. And they're they're I'd say they're a decent chance this week. And if they don't do it, he gets to say, oh, Adelaide are terrible, ha ha ha, and he gets to enjoy that. And also he gets to say, well, you know, they're pretty much wooden spooners, what did you expect? <laughs> and if and if Adelaide win, he gets to say, oh, I was right, I called it, ha ha, I called it. And it's just such a, uh, oh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a wussy bet is what it is.
1: It's a great, each way bet, I love it. He can't lose, <laughs> it's terrific. It's the kind of bet I dream of. Anyway, we'll see Mitch Lewis this week, won't we? Because in the absence of Patton, we've got to switch to Mitch. I bloody well hope so. And, and you know what? I hope he gives it a red-hot crack because
0: he can. Sh- he's shown at least, I know they're different conditions, but in the scratch matches, he, he still has something. He still competes aerially and he still kicks goals. And, I mean, that's what you want out of a key forward. So I'd love him to get some confidence back and really play a great game against Adelaide. Well, I can hear the
1: Jaws music now. <laughs> it's been beating for a while, that that sound, hasn't it? I mean, the orchestra's getting tired. When are we going to see Finn? If not this week, then when, I ask you. Well, exactly. But He wasn't on emergencies again, as we highlighted earlier. So I'd, I'd be happy to see Ross, that would be fantastic or or more more off the wing he'd be good Greaves, even you see a lot of these fellas it sounds like they've decided that they're going to give them another year doesn't it if they're not coming out of the you know that's the that's the that's the that's what the idea is either they're giving them another year, they don't need to see them now or they're done. that's it. we're not keeping them yep all right I'm gonna put it like this, give me Finn. Or give me a win. Hey! If they play Finn, I don't mind if we lose. But if we lose without playing Finn, I am going to be that angry. (laughs) Me too, mate.
0: Me too. I'm right with you.
1: The Adelaide Crows are one of the worst outfits I have seen ever. And I've seen some poor teams. We've seen Port Adelaide at the MCG against Hawthorne in 2011 or 2010. They were atrocious. Speaking of cane corns... (laughs) (laughs)
0: Dear. No, I think that's absolutely fair enough. You've summed it up. You, you've put it in a nice, neat little package there for Hawthorne supporters. If if you are going to play Finn, I think we can forgive a few things, but if you're not going to play the kids like you said you were going to, Hawthorne, then surely not. Surely not, Adelaide. Please, Hawthorne,
1: give me some joy this lockdown. It's been too long since the Carlton game now. What is it, uh, one win in the last seven or one win in the last eight? It's a pretty gross statistic. Anyway, a bit of a down podcast this week. <laughs> well. I feel better for doing it, but to be honest, I, I doubt anyone else does.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, sometimes it be like that, Tiz. You know, sometimes you come off a bad loss and it's tough. It's tough. This one was tough on hawk supporters and that's us included. So I, I hope at least that um, this was cathartic for some listeners and, and we at least entertained you. I, I like to think that we achieved that at the very least. Uh, now, as we look to sign off, a huge thanks to everyone that's uh, raid and reviewed us on Apple Podcasts. We actually had a review here, five-star review from Paulie Daddio. It reads, Nick and Tiz help out in good seasons and bad. Great football insight and wonderful Hawthorne Fellowship and must
1: listen every week. Well, hasn't that just brightened our day, Tiz? Yeah, very kind. Thank you, Paul Daddio. And uh, th- these are the kind of reviews we use when... Uh... We're going to hit up Jeff for an interview. (laughs) Exactly right. This is the stuff that helps
0: get get those opportunities done. It gets them signed, sealed and delivered. So we thank you very much for that. Uh, What I would say is uh, Paulie Daddio saying, in good seasons and bad, lately I've been thinking, Tiz, that, um, look, I think for this podcast that we've got a good community around us. We're kind of in this for the long haul. When we do climb back to the top, this podcast is going to be that much sweeter to do And everyone listening to us now is going to enjoy it that much more when we get back there.
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely, that's what keeps me going. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we're talking, of course, about the community over on Twitter at Hawk Talk Pod. Uh, thank you for all your questions this week. We really appreciated those, and every week, in fact. Uh, Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Pod. Very passionate Hawthorne fans over there also. We thank you for your support. And if you do want to support us a little bit more, we've got
1: Patreon as well, patreon.com slash Pod. And we have changed the terms there. You can sign up for a year and uh you get a 10 percent discount
0: yeah absolutely if you want to stick fat with us and you really enjoy our show and want to support us for the year um we'll give a little bit back to you like we'll, we'll, we'll you know patreon have uh, changed the terms and they're giving you a bit of a discount if you want to stay on with us for the year so be sure to check that one out
1: patreon.com slash hawk talk pod especially if you are subscribing that's your chance you can change it now um it's your chance to save a bit
0: yeah change it any time really Just log on and suss it out. Really encourage you to do that. And as always, we really appreciate the support. Uh, The people who have signed up, um, they really play a significant part in, you know, keeping this going. So thank you very much.
1: There's a couple of listeners out there and I just wanted to to mention them and tell them to stick fat because they've uh, not had water or power and been been stuck in their house since Thursday. So uh, just thought I'd mention them. For the rest of us, if you think you're struggling, have a think of that. And this is why it's important that Hawthorne win. Yeah, bring it round.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's that's what footy gives to us, mate. We just need a little bit more joy, especially as Victorians.
1: Well, how are they going to know? He's sitting at home in the dark. (laughs) No water. (laughs) We'll send him a letter. Hawthorne won.
0: Go buy pigeons. (laughs) That's what we're going to do. We're going to scale it back. We're going really retro. Uh, No, this this is what football gives to us, and I really hope that uh, Hawthorne can please, please give us some joy this week. And uh, for goodness sake, play Finn McGuinness. I have the perfect hype video
1: ready. Finn at half forward. Finn in the middle. Finn on the wing. I don't care. Play him. Play him. I want to get excited about another young kid. This is what we need. We need this. We need the John Williams soundtrack in the background as Finn picks up his first possession and kicks his first goal on the run. See, now
0: you've turned it around, haven't you? Because I'm excited about Hawthorne again, just like that. I think we're finished on a really good note, Tiz. What do you think?
1: Yep. Let's just beat the Crows and then we can look ahead
0: again. <laughs> we can wait up from there. That's it for this week. We'll uh, catch you after the Tuesday 5.40 game against Adelaide. We are a happy team at Hawthorne.